and we are live. We are recording. Hello, I'm Connor Fowler. And I'm Matt Smith. And welcome to Apocalypse Duds. Today we are wel- we welcome a very special guest, the Empress of Embroidery, the Hero of Harm Reduction, the Baroness of the Bobbin, the Nimble Narcoleptic, the Applique Angel, the Freehand Stitch Phenom, the Bean Stitch Boss, the Tremendous Threat with the Thread, Sam Kerr. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Oh, man. I think the nimble narcoleptic is the best one. I think so, so too. I'm glad you thought so. Because I originally had the nimble narcoleptic. uh, Damn. I think it was the nimble narcoleptic with a needle. Yeah. See, I had that needle, but I thought it was a little too much. No, no, no. See, I think it's too much. I think it's appropriate because of the amount of times that I fall asleep with needles and don't seem to like harm myself. Like I'm very nimble with my needle placement and with falling asleep with it. Like I actually don't stab myself that much for the amount of needles that I just stash somewhere and drop. Yeah. Nimble with the thimble was also on there, but. Oh, yeah. But both solid. Inside my mind. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Connor actually came up with that entire intro, and I think I added it like two things. But that was the majority <laughs> of Connor. Uh, so Sam, where are you from? Yeah. Where am I from? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> sometimes when people ask me where I'm from, or like to tell my story i start with i was born a poor black child um because <laughs> of the movie the jerk steve martin oh, shit. Yes. and again <laughs> it's like my favorite thing um but yeah so i uh am from south mountain pennsylvania it is a mountain of 286 people Um, The majority of them are white. The ones that are not white are incarcerated at a place um, that is for sexual deviants and fire starters from age 8 to 12. And then uh, teenagers with felony drug and uh, gun charges. And then an old tuberculosis ward. So that's where I'm from. That's that's a real coterie of uh, the most fucked up things you could ever possibly hear about one place at one time. (laughs) <laughs> all combined yeah yeah somehow all in this 200 and some you know some odd person community Gee, jesus what is the name of it what is the name of the town again south mountain pennsylvania south, south mountain, mountain pennsylvania wow yep all right 20 minutes outside of gettysburg if you will and i will okay okay uh, i thought of but really you're now based about- in baltimore Sorry, Matt. <laughs> oh, no, no problem. I, I was just going to make a really dumb joke, and I'm glad I didn't. So, Well, you might as well do it now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, does, does corn grow like it like it doesn't on Rocky Top, Tennessee? Because that's kind of what the, the gist of what you described seems like to me. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much corn as it is uh, racism. Oh, uh, and yeah. <laughs> But, you know. Similar themes same to both places, I'm sure. So, yeah. But you're now Baltimore based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ended up in Baltimore after a second DUI, and I haven't left since. It was probably like 11 years ago. Nice. 
we yeah. wel- <laughs> very welcome here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, what do you do? What do I do? Uh, I eat, I breathe. For work, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would have gotten there eventually. I only do like seven things. Um, yeah, I work in harm reduction with a group named Baltimore Harm Reduction Coalition. Okay. And and what exactly is harm reduction? Ugh, what a great question. I'll answer it with what harm reduction isn't. Voting. Even better. Harm reduction is not fucking voting. It is also not seatbelts. Um, the school of harm reduction that I come from is a like a two-pronged situation. So on the individual level, right, where we're meeting people where they're at, we're not leaving them there. We're giving people resources um, for them to make the best choices about their lives, specifically with around drug use and uh, sex work also including abortion at this point. But, you know, Mm -hmm. when we talk about drug use, we're talking about handing out Narcan, giving people uh, syringes so that they can uh, use drugs safely. Syringes, snorting kits, smoking kits, um, sex kits, all that kind of stuff. And then on the larger level, um, it's a culture shift that we're going for, right? Right. Um, harm reduction isn't voting and it's not seatbelts because we're talking about stigmatized and criminalized behaviors, right? That's what we're fucking talking about. And the most like criminalized and stigmatized behaviors at this point in time are sex work and drugs, right? Abortion is like slowly but surely getting there, um, because of the destruction of Roe versus Wade. Um, and, uh, that black motherfucker, what is this? Clarence... Clarence Thomas, Thomas Clarenson, yeah. Sir Thomas Queen, yeah. Thomas Clarence, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're going like we're attempting to do some kind of culture shift away from the stigma, the stigma away from the criminalization, um, and yeah, the racialization of the war on drugs. And so that's what it is, right? Like it's not. Although, you know, voting is like a hot topic. It's not stigmatized. It's not criminalized, which is, you know, there's stuff going on, but it's not criminalized. Wearing a seatbelt, like, yeah, if you don't wear a seatbelt, people might, I don't even know if people look at you funny anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not stigmatized to not wear a seatbelt. And if you don't wear a seatbelt, you might get like a $25 fine. We're not talking like your entire life being ruined because you were carrying... I don't know, a gram of fucking crack cocaine on you. Right, right. Yeah, so, uh, kind of a follow-up to that, um, what is Narcan and where can you find it? That is such a great question. Narcan, also known as naloxone, is the opioid overdose reversal drug. It only overdoses opioids, no other drug. In the state of Maryland, there's a standing order um, that the former health commissioner, Lena Wen, um, put into effect. And so in Maryland, you can go to any pharmacy and get it um, if you just like go in and ask for it. I think it, on Medicaid, it's only a dollar. But if you have other insurance, I know it's like varying prices. You can also get it from any local like harm reduction group near you, like, you know, 
in Baltimore, there's Baltimore Harm Reduction Coalition, Charm City Care Connection, um, Baltimore Safe Haven. Yes, like there's just a whole bunch of different places that carry it in that capacity. Um, health departments in Baltimore City at the very least, and I know a bunch of other counties also have it. Um, and also like in the state of Maryland and in a lot of other states, there is a program um, called Next Distro. Wait. I think it, yeah, it is next distro. I used to saw, I used to say next distro, like bistro, and people were like, "What the hell are you?" Doing? <laughs> I was like, "I don't know." Like, you get coffee and some naloxone. Um, you don't actually. Mm-hmm. So what it is is a mail based program, and so you know, if you're in a rural community, or if you're even like in the city, but you, you know, don't have access to any of this, like any of these different places for any number of reasons, you can. Um, go online and ask for supplies and we send you supplies um and like you know just a manila envelope with your name on it right it doesn't say like this is for people who use drugs like it's just a normal right. package yeah. um and inside Discreet it has everything that even. you ask for and probably information or i know information for how to get narcan and other stuff um in areas near you that's awesome yeah, I feel like sex toy companies should team up with Narcan providers because they're very good at discreet packaging. So like, oh my god, that's you know, so true. You can get you can get your sex toys, and then oh yeah, you can get Narcan on here also. Like two for yeah. one special, baby! Exactly. I love that. Exactly. Let's, yes. Let's, yeah, we can. What is yeah. it? Adamandeve.com? <laughs> right, right. If like Adam and Eve and every other you know big sex toy shop or a company that, that has online sales included this, like, you know, might be able to normalize it a little bit more. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. That's a great idea. <laughs> I, I have He's some of them. He's re- really full of them. Absolutely full, <laughs> chock full of ideas. So uh, you mentioned the name of your organization. Um, or is, are you guys like an independent um, thing or do you collaborate with other types of like, orgs that have the same type of, you know, mindset as y'all. So we're a nonprofit, but we can't, you know, we can't do anything alone in the city. Um, We work with, I mean, we work with so many different things like harm reduction specific organizations, uh, Charm City Care Connection, Power Inside, Baltimore Safe Haven. Um, But we also work with like governmental and quasi governmental institutions, uh, Behavioral Health Systems Baltimore has a group named Be More Power, um, and we've worked closely with them for years. Um, The Maryland Health Department and the City Health Department, you know, we work on and off with them as well. Um, You know, it really is just trying to partner with as many people as possible and work with as many people as possible to make sure that we are covering as much ground as we can. So how does the outreach process work? Um, I mean, especially in these communities that are like ignored wholesale by the government, completely ignored by the government, which I understand is a little bit of an oversimplification, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not so much ignored by the government as it is mm-hmm. like a systemic, an intentional systemic uh, racialized attempt at erasure and slash or containment of people in the space and so we do outreach in penn north in baltimore um 
one of our former employees, Ricky Morris, um, has a really good relationship with Simmons Church. And so we have been at Simmons Church for years doing Narcan trainings, um, handing out Narcan and all the supplies that you could think of to use drugs and setting up um, demonstration overdose prevention sites. Um, mm-hmm. to show people what that would look like. And we also work on Maryland Avenue on that strip that on the end of that strip that has all the methadone clinics. Um, and so it's just like different, we've been put up in different spaces, right? That's where we are. Charm City Care Connection is on the east side of town. A lot of people go to the west side of town because Penn North has, I mean, Penn North is known by lots of people because after um, the murder of Freddie Gray, that yep. kind of that kind of blew up. So people know about it. South Baltimore has a whole bunch of people that go down there. And basically it's like, the health department helps us figure out what is going on, right? Like the health department is the one that has the statistics of um, overdoses that are happening in Baltimore city, where they're happening. Um, And so we're kind of, we kind of make moves from there. Okay. And just out of curiosity, you know, when you, when you're going into these communities, does it generally take a while for people to kind of like come around to, you guys, you know, doing what you do? Um, or do, do you mostly find that, like, they're pretty receptive to uh, to the work y'all are doing? So I think that one of the core tenets of harm reduction is relationship building, right? We name right. it as a lot of things. We have a lot of cute, like, catchphrases, meeting people where they're at, not leaving them there. Uh, engaging in radical love and stuff like that. And so we are very intent on building relationships and community. And so that's why we ended up in Penn North with the help of Ricky, right? Because Ricky had already been in Simmons Church. He'd been going there for a while. He knew, um, he knew them. They, he knew, yeah, he knew Simmons Church. He knew us and like us getting in there had a lot to do with that. Right. And then from there, yeah, it's based on relationship building with people in the community. It's never it's never wholesale like, oh, God, get out. And it's never wholesale like, please stay forever and ever. Right. right. And it also helps have people that aren't uh, exploitative, I guess totally. is the word for it, that are coming in. Right. The, the outreach workers that work at BHRC are phenomenal harm reductionists they're coming from a place of love they have they have experiences um of their own that they're bringing and they're literally just going to be of service right um and that is a that's different than perhaps being a hopkins student that's going to observe that might be from wyoming and the first it's the first time they've ever seen black people before right, right? like it's a totally, <laughs> yeah. totally different vibe um and so you know i think that i don't i think that like at the beginning of the pandemic is when we really ramped up our services and so um Dave Fell is our um, offsite services manager, and he was driving around in his own car with like a BHRC magnet slapped to it. He's a tall, thin white guy, and so they just kind of knew him at that point as like the white guy in the car with the sticker, <laughs> they right? Just, like, right. Around with the supplies, and like you know, he's he's one of the most consistent and 
I think probably one of the longest outreach workers that we've had that have been on the streets since then, him and uh, the interim director, Harriet. I cannot, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, I was in Penn North a few times and uh, my upbringing was very, 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 very white. And I didn't necessarily know I was black until 2015. And so whenever I started doing work in community, uh, it just like, it gets very big and then collapses at the same time. Like I have a really hard time being able to see all of the systemic and historical racism that has taken this, taken this neighborhood and uh, made it what it is. And then the like consistent policing to contain people to that spot is just, it's wild. And so I have a really hard time doing outreach in Penn North because of that. And so I've done outreach there, but I've also done it like Lexington market and a few other spaces in Hamden. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually just started working at Sandtown elementary. Um, So the neighborhood is familiar to me and their area is familiar to me. And I think the police presence, even to this day, is like appalling i guess um so i was gonna ask when i asked you initially what you did and 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 uh how you did it basically you said that it involved working with the police and so i was wondering what that was like for you okay i would like to say i don't remember ever saying that (laughs) just want to put that out there and I'm only saying that for, I mean, I'm saying that for multiple reasons, um, because one of them is ACAB. And second of all, I work around the police as sure, in sure, I sure. move around them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in those scenarios, I have a really, that's another reason that I have a really hard time going to Penn North and doing work in that area, because I saw a police officer walking around with an Espen tune. If you don't know what that is, go ahead and look it up. It's a very specific to Baltimore uh, Billy Club. And uh, 2001, I saw a police officer walking around with one. And I was like, this is the most slave catcher shit I've ever seen in my life. Like, absolutely oh not. And so I, I am not like, I don't particularly work in cooperation with them. Sometimes they come around and they stand to be intimidating, which is, uh, there's, I mean, there's not really a need for them to do that considering we, everything that we do is legal. And so, you know, they don't interfere with us for the most part and we stay out of their way. I see. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I would imagine it would be like, um, you know, as you said, nothing you're doing is illegal. You're literally just trying to help. But unfortunately, I feel like a lot of times they are the first responders, so you have to interact with them in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I responded, the same day I saw that person, I responded to an overdose on that street. And fortunately, uh, the first people, the first people we called, I called 911, the people that came were firefighters that were oh, yeah. um, pretty kind at that point in time. But then that guy rolled around <laughs> the corner oh, and was gosh. like, well, and he was just, you know, I don't know, racist. I don't really, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it wasn't good. everything he said wasn't good. And he didn't talk directly to me. He talked to the tall white guy that was there um, of talking about yeah. how they don't like, it's unsafe for him to be in that neighborhood. So, 
Yeah, yeah. And those situations, I'm just like, cool, I just did something that's like mildly traumatic for me and for the person that like overdosed. So I'm going to walk away from you because I don't need to further this pain to myself. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So it, it, kind of the an overarching question for us is how can, and I'm, I'm in Atlanta, I've got a lot of friends that, you know, are Narcan trained. Um, there's harm reduction coalitions and things here as well. Um, but how can, you know, your just average everyday person help uh, or get involved, uh, you know, kind of the baseline things that one should know? I love that. So Narcan trained always just really not hard, like super basic, super, super basic. Um, I think there's a lot of fear around it because it's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of fear around doing it, which makes complete sense, but it's super easy. So that, and then the next one, like, I think honestly, the most basic one is if you follow a bunch of, um, harm reduction, organizations first of all do that follow a bunch of harm reduction organizations on social media and share their information cool right like the whole rainbow thing right there's another one that's like uber drivers like uber drivers are now drug dealers and they're upset about it like okay cool nbc like (laughs) you know what i mean like let's just i can't i make memes all the time for be more (laughs) be more hrc so that i can put it up that is just like this is ridiculous i just made a clown one about rainbow fentanyl and it's really just like if you see stuff and you're like wow that sounds sensational think about it you don't have to read the article but maybe think that it might be sensational right, right? and then share the stuff that the harm reductionists are saying, because you can't overdose from touching fentanyl. Right. Nobody's putting drugs in your kid's candy. I mean, Uber driver, Uber drivers delivering drugs. I mean, like, I don't, I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's off air conversation. Yeah. Um, but others, you know, it's just like, that's the, I think that's the easiest thing to do is to cut down on some of the, uh, fear mongering that comes with drug use. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. And where stigmatize sort of. Yeah. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Let's yeah. just not, let's just calm down. As another just general question on this topic, um, where can, you know, where can you get Narcan? Ooh. So I don't know where you can get Narcan. I'm assuming right, right. that just, you just have been in Atlanta. Yes. Like, you obviously can get it from your local harm reduction groups. Right. Maryland has a standing order, and so you are allowed to go into any pharmacy in the state of Maryland and ask for Narcan. And I think if you're on Medicaid, it's only a dollar. I think it they do charge you through insurance. Um, but you can just, you can get it. Anybody can just walk in and ask for that, and they can get okay, it. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then so. the second way is specifically in Baltimore. And actually, this is like a nationwide thing. You just need to check to see if your um, state is one of the states that does it. Um, Next Distro has a program where they will send you Narcan and things that you ask for if you like get on the site and just like look it up. 
Um, it was originally designed for people with like people in rural communities or people that don't have access to syringe service programs to reach out and ask for Narcan. And we send it to people like Baltimore Harm Reduction Coalition, the space that I work in. We we send that stuff to people throughout the state. Um, we can also like recommend people go to different um health departments and stuff because the health department, some health departments will give it out as well. But that I know that that has been a game changer for, like I said, people, people with disabilities, people in rural communities um, to get what they need. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Yeah. That's, this has been a very informative. uh, Yeah. It's just been a a nice conversation about something that I feel like is, is very, uh, very out there for some people just because of the stigmatization of drugs and drug users. Yeah. Uh, I think it's hard to wrap your mind around what an addiction is. If you haven't, if you don't have one, um, doesn't make sense to people. If like, if you're like, just stop drinking or using a thing, people like, it just makes sense, right? Like if you say I'm going to stop doing it and then just, you just stop doing it. That makes sense. If you're someone who (laughs) can do that. Um, Right. I think it's also, I think it's also really hard for people. Everybody has someone in their family who has chaotically used drugs and alcohol and might've caused harm. And so I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of trauma that people deal with, with people that use drugs and, uh, it's like a giant, I think it's a big pain for everyone. Like, I think that, um, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong or morally wrong with drugs and alcohol. I think that the actions that we have done while on them have caused a lot of harm to ourselves and to other people. And with that, people have a really hard time opening their mind to the fact that um, it's not a moral issue and that everybody deserves right. to live regardless if they're using chaotically or not. Absolutely. Mm, I really like that. I really like that. I have not ever he- heard using chaotic. Of course, I know that's what it is. And my own experience with it is close to that. But I think that that is a very, uh, I don't know, concise explanation of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. We try to use humanizing language. Mm-hmm. Too, right? Because, right. You know, I call myself an alcoholic because I am an alcoholic and I don't have a problem with that language. Um but, you know, when we are talking to people, we use words like people use drugs and chaotic use. Some people use substance use disorder, and that one sounds too medically for me. Um, Agreed. Yeah, but, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, chaotic use, I'm like, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess to continue, <laughs> to continue talking about needles, in the lead up of the show... I uh, I was talking about embroidery, and you a little bit corrected me to to say freehand stitching. Could you delineate for us the difference between the two, and maybe go over some basic terminology um, about about that kind of art? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I can tell you that I cross stitch. I think this is what I think cross stitch is. All right, this is speculation hour with Sam. I think that cross stitch is you use a very specific fabric and you use a very specific stitch and make like little X's all over the place to create a pattern, right? I don't do that. 
I think embroidery is, there's like so many different kinds of embroidery. I think embroidery is the umbrella term for all of these different kinds of beautiful, intricate um, patterns and pictures that people make with thread, needle thread, and fabric. What I do is that I put needle, I put thread through a needle, and then uh, from the like trauma from my brain travels down my head, through my neck, through my shoulder, through my arm and my hands. And then I just stitch whatever is, is coming out. And okay. so that's why I say freehand. I don't use, I don't use patterns uh, that, I, that other people make. I don't use, I like also don't put pat, like I don't like draw stuff on it and just follow it. I just do whatever comes to mind. Interesting. And when did you discover your, you know, your love of doing this? I was looking in 2018, I was looking for a way to get the, yeah, to get the trauma out of my brain. And I was like, uh, I used to like writing when I was like seven, maybe that'll be a thing. And so I tried that and I was like, this is tedious and I don't like it. So, (laughs) so I stopped because I have ADHD and I only do what I want to do. and I, um, I seek spiritually a lot. That's kind of, it's like one of the things that keeps me operating in life. And I had heard this class that a bunch of witches were teaching. Um, <laughs> and so I went to this class uh, put on by Baltimore Reclaiming. Reclaiming is like a tradition that started in the 70s okay. in Southern California. And so I go to this training. It's about elements. Um, we do a... When we get to the end of the training, we're talking about earth and we do a trance in which we're like laying on the floor. Somebody guides us in this trance and we like melt through the floor into the ground and like connect with the mycelia in the ground. And then we were brought out of a deeper trance into a light trance and it was a like a craft spell. And the room had all kinds of stuff in it, like stamps and markers, pens, paper, crayons, scissors all over the place. It also had a needle and thread and uh, fabric. And I picked it up and I stitched We Are One and put a key on it. And the next day I went out and I bought a whole bunch of hoops and a whole bunch of fabric and a whole bunch of uh, thread. And I've just been doing it ever since. That was the one. That was the medium that I needed. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. Powerful. Yeah, very much so. So so was it always as as socially conscious as as it seems to be now? I mean, it seems like a lot of the work is really, um, you know, pointed. No pun intended. (laughs) That was intended. Get out of here. You're a wordsmith. I didn't I didn't write that down, okay? <laughs> um like I, so like I said a lot of it came from my trauma which is pointed for other people and not for me cuz I'm black and I've been that way the whole time I've been on this planet in this iteration. <laughs> and so like the first one that I the one of I did a bunch of them in the beginning that were Things that I remember from being younger, like jokes that I remember, content warning, not super great. Um, (laughs) One of them was, yeah, I love black people. I have them hanging in my family tree. 
and another one was uh, I'm not racist. I have a colored TV. Oh my and god! So, <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Uh, and so yeah, so uh, there's a little kid that used to say that stuff all the time, and so that's how it started. Um, and honestly, like a lot of the stuff just comes out because it, it can't stay in, right? Like these things, like I, there, there are some that are just like, oh, I read that somewhere and I'm going to write it. Like I'm going to stitch it out. Right. And that's like very few and far in between. A lot of it's like, it's burning in my brain and I have to get it out of my body. And so it, a lot of it seems pointed because it's based out of my trauma, right? Like it's, it's like sex, uh it's like sex drugs and alcohol and uh racism um and so a lot of it i think a lot of it's pointed for a lot of people because they might not have experience in one or more of those areas right like people people will read my shit and be like that is that's intense i'm like yeah that happened they're like whoa and i'm like yes and right like yes intense for you because you just heard it but you're also white so calm it down uh you know what i mean it's like it was a tuesday you know what i mean like like you're reading it now and you're crying and like that's unfortunate for you but yeah it was a tuesday for me and i wrote it because i needed to get it out right um and like you know recent events spark that shit all the time the world we live in right now is super intense (laughs) Um, Uh, yeah yeah yeah, that's that's kind of part of the reason Connor and I started doing this. We're like, fuck, everything's going to hell anyway. So might, might as well meet some cool people and uh, maybe yes. do something interesting. 100%. Yeah. So it, it, I, I wish I could say that I coined this, but this was all my man Connor here. But when we were kind of like setting up this, you know, our questions for the interview and, you know, just trying to trying to come up with ways to talk about things. He described your embroidery as a Trojan horse. And that kind of like, I don't know for me as a third party looking at it, like that's such a cool um, way of seeing it. Like you're, you're being subversive and transgressive, but like, it's really just you and the the stuff that's coming out of your head. Like how did, how did you kind of like find, I mean, it sounds like you found that immediately, but how have you tried to like, um, develop that more so just just as time has gone on. So, I mean, the fact that it is, that the words are what they are in cross-stitch, like in hoops, is already, like, subversive, right? Because what we're used to is, like, home sweet home. <laughs> uh, like, in cross-stitch and shit. Like, I know, like, I follow a lot of really awesome embroiderers um, on Instagram, and there's a woman... I think her handle Steph X Stitch, who does like cross stitch, but she she does makes patterns for cross stitches that say things like like fuck the police, right? They just say things that are just you know subversive in that way, and so you know that's the thing that's becoming more and more um, acceptable. But initially, like, if you show that to people that are 50, 60, 70, especially people that are black in 50, 60, 70, um, everybody has an experience of uh, stitching with their grandma or knitting with their grandma. And the words that are on it are just like, 
completely amazing to them, right? They're just like, wow, like, that's not a thing that we have. We, I never said something like that before in that way. Um, and so just off the bat, it's already set up like that. And then everything else is like, I don't think that people, you know, I will step back and say that I didn't respect the stuff that I did as art for an extended period of time because I was like, oh, I'm just like out here stitching words onto fucking fabric and like my stitches aren't perfect and I don't know the names other than like backstitch. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know any of the shit. Um, but the reality of the situation is, is that, I mean, it's art because I say it's art, but it's also art because of the attention that I put into all of it is like, it is a Trojan horse, right? Like, yeah, you can see something, there'll be something and, uh, what it's not, I have one that's like something about white terrorists, like white men being terrorists. Like, and we all agree that white men are terrorists, right? And the picture that was taken the picture that I took with it, it's like sitting on top of cloth that is very specific, like African cloth, first of all. Second of all, there's blood on it. It's my actual blood. Like everything that is done in it is like intentional and people don't know that, right? Like it's not a thing that people recognize and like I'll have some that are misspelled and they're like, haha, that's misspelled. And I'm like, that's the point. Yeah, you didn't, you missed the joke, dude. It's like articulate and it's got three Ks in it. That's yeah. intentional, right? Like, <laughs> Or, or it's hard to read. Like I have one that's right now that says church and state and they're overlapped. And I say it to people, I'm like, oh, it's church and state. And they're like, oh, separation. I'm like, yeah, separation of church. And they're like, it's hard to read. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is hard to read, isn't it? Right? And so it's like a lot of the stuff that I do is really intentional. And Trojan Horse is like a great, it's a great, yeah, I mean, it's just a great way to say that. It's like, I'm just literally, like, shoehorning shit into this stuff because, like, because my mind does that. And so I'm like, let me just get it out of here and put it somewhere. Hell yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, as a musician being very, very much trained or just playing by ear and whatnot, and you're just kind of, like, you're learning and getting better by playing by ear, essentially, with a needle and thread. Yes. Hell yes. Yeah. I can tell when I haven't done it for a while because I'm slower and it's harder for me to be like precise with the words that I'm writing or what I'm doing. Right. And so it's like, I have to get warmed up to it again. I think um, it's so good. The like multimedia nature of some of them and to, to compare them to that, whatever you want to call it, heritage embroidery, right? Yours have curves in the lines um whereas the home sweet home is just about like rigidity kind of following that pattern so i just think it's i think they're so good yeah i mean and that's another part of the intentionality right is like there i have a few different fonts that i use and it's like i haven't i haven't really thought about it in that way until i've i just said it but it's like i have one that says fuck the pain away and it's just screaming right like it's Mm -hmm. just like it's like four, like the F is only four stitches, right? It's just like, and everything is sharp angles because it's intentional, right? Like that's what it is. And I have some other ones that say fuck you or whatever. And they're like, it's like nice and pretty and cursive. Cause again, it's like, that's, that's the point. Um, and a lot, I use blood on them a lot because why not? <laughs> yeah. I think it's really why um, I, yeah, I don't know, because 
I think it's powerful. I think, uh, I also think that like, it's like putting another piece of me on there. And if people, cause people want to buy my shit and that's like not why I started making it. And so if I, if there's blood on it, I'm like, you're going to have to give me all of your money. Like, I'm not going to give you, like, I'm already giving you a piece of me by selling this, but like, if you're taking like a literal piece that came from me or something that literally came from my physical body, like you have to give me all the money. (laughs) (laughs) I think you've touched on this a little bit. Um, and you know, the, the answers you've, uh, you've said, but what, like, what do you hope that people, um, you know, that, that peruse or buy your, your art kind of will take away from, from the work. I think it depends on the pieces. Um, there. Yeah. I think it depends on the pieces. One of my favorite, I don't do market. I just did my last market because it's stressful and I'm disabled and carrying that shit around is really intense. Right. But one of my favorite parts about being in markets is being able to see people's faces when they read them. And a lot of them are funny, right? A lot of them say stuff that are just, it's just outlandish. And there are some, like I had one um, that was like, do you think, I think it was, do you think, do you think your rapist remembers you or something like that? And I had it hanging up and I heard a woman like came and was looking at it and just started crying. Oh my God. Um, And like bought it. Right. And just like took it. And so there are just so many experiences that I've had where people are like, like I cut one up for someone the other day because I had one that was like, it said, I'm tired of remembering you, but it also looks like I'm tired of you remembering. Right. And it was really like, I could see that she was really like moved by it. And I kept trying to give it to her for free because I was being particularly pushy that day. And she was like, actually I'm like having a hard time remembering stuff and like, you know, I'm, that's kind of what I'm doing in my life right now. It's like, I'm, I'm going to therapy to try to remember things. And I was like, okay, cool. And so I took it and I cut it up. Um, I cut some of the words out and some of the stitching out for, um, so that it said, I remember. And I gave it to her and was like, you know, it's like everything is versatile. And that was a moment that like, she just didn't, she didn't really know what to do. And she thought I was going to do something completely different than what I did in the first place. Right. right. And so it's like, I never really know what I want people to take from the stuff. I just get to see, I get to see and I get to hear what it is. Like they tell me what they get from it. Right. And sometimes it's from their faces. Sometimes it's from like messages. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very, very powerful. Um, the way that it, that it works. And do, do you enjoy the face to face contact with people? Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, like I didn't start making them to sell them. I really did just start to make them so that I could get the shit out of my brain and seeing people interact with it is really like each time that I go out to do it, I obviously I want to make money. First of all, I'm like, yeah, go ahead and give me your money. But also (laughs) like, there's always like one there's, I'm only out there for one interaction there's always like one interaction with someone that is worth it. 
right? And there's like 72 other interactions where white people try to come up and explain my own work to me or, you know, white people like look at it and they're like, what do you mean, a cab?" And I'm like, I don't even, I can't do this with you. <laughs> or, you know, people, I don't know, I try to keep, I have to shoo children away from reading stuff about sex. You know what I mean? Like, there's all yeah. kinds of shit that happens, but there's only one interaction that I'm actually out there for and I never know who it's going to be. It's always a surprise. Um, but it's going to be something that's on that level, right? It's going to be something where somebody tells me something, where somebody reads something um, and is taken back to a moment that they've experienced or is, is now like, has been struck and is like, shit, like this is now something that I have to think of. There's one that I made recently recently that says, um, are you afraid, are you afraid to explore... I don't know, something in the lines of like, are you afraid to explore being queer? Are you afraid that you can't attract queers because you only appeal to the male gaze? And Ooh. like, yeah. And that one, like, people can't. <laughs> people yeah. cannot handle it. It's <laughs> Every deep, time like, deep. Dare you? And I was like, sorry, I don't. I wrote it for me, but all y'all out here think I'm I'm pointing at you. So right, right. It's very deep, and it's very like um, they make you feel stuff. So I think this is a little bit of a cheap question, but I was going to ask you if you had a favorite one or one that you. Well, I don't know. I I, I was going to say one that you wish you had wish you had still, um, but I guess probably not. I don't know the. There are a few, I think that pretty much any of the white terrorism ones, I kind of wish I still had. Yeah, those were so um, yeah. fucking good. Yeah, because I liked those. I sold one that was, it said, my name is, and then it had a line that was blank. And then under it, it says, and I am a, and then there was a line that was blank. And I made a whole bunch of uh, words on felt. And so you could interchange what you were. Like, my name is Sam, and I'm an alcoholic, or my name is Sam, and I am a... I think I <laughs> I was feeling particularly upset about sex and love addiction, and so there were ones that said, like, raging cum dumpster and stuff like that. Like, I am, like, a real tired dick sucker. Like, it just, like... And that one, I wish I had that one again. That one was... I can make that one again, but I wish I had that one still, because that one was fun. Um, right now, my favorite one is... I have two, and one is just, like, I just traced a pattern. I just traced a floral pattern because um, I didn't have anything in my head, but my hand wanted to stitch, so I really like that one. And then I have another one, and it is white, and it has a pocket, like a white pocket, like a, like a doctor's coat. And in the pocket, it has a brown nipple, and it also has a card in it that says insurance will not pay or insurance will not cover your nipples. And so the point of it is that like you pull the nipple out of pocket, right? Like you got to pay for your nipples out of pocket because it turns out that if you have top surgery, some insurance companies will not pay for your nipples to be put back on your body. And I was wow. like, that is literally the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard. Like, I'm not deeply surprised mm -hmm. by the way that we operate. Yeah. But, like, you're literally going to charge me to put my nipples back on my body. Like, what are you going to do with them? Sell them? You know what I mean? Like, when right. you fry them up and serve people, like, put that nipple put them back in on my pie. body. <laughs> yeah. So that one's one of my favorite ones right now. It's just, like, 
yeah, you have to pay for your nipples out of pocket. <laughs> I mean, it tracks so well with uh, with American healthcare <laughs> that uh, it's not surprising, but it's it's almost like a very head scratching thing. Yeah, it's like galling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah. So we we noticed, you know, in your in your profile, your disclaimer about not taking commissions. We might have already covered this because that you know your art is a very personal thing to you. But w- we did want to ask if there was a particular reasoning behind the decision. Yeah, because I won't make it if I don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just like flat out, like I like I have ADHD. I already have a hard enough time like doing things at work. I don't want to do. You know what I mean? Like, like if I don't want to do something, like I just flat out won't do it. And so there's like two that I'm sitting on right now that I need to remake that I have known about for like two weeks, and I'm still like I'm like fuck. I have to do this. Yeah, (laughs) but I still want to. I haven't done it. You know what I mean? Like today I was like, I'm going to do it. I don't have to start working until later. Nope. I didn't start anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm actively sitting beside two needles that I have stuck in my couch with thread in it. And there is there like all of the stuff is around me. I still haven't done it. So I just, yeah. And I don't like, I don't care what you want. Right. <laughs> the only thing is like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I like to stitch words. I'm not going to make you a picture of anything. Even if you want me to stitch words, like, why would I want to stitch something that says, like, I love you, Kevin? Like, yeah. fuck that. Yeah, right. There's some of them that I have remade because I like to make them. One of them is uh, Narcan Saves Lives, and it's it has the molecular structure of Narcan on it. Like, oh, I'll make that all day because I actually like making that. Right. Um, but if somebody asked me to do the molecular structure and have it say like no yeah. lives, I'd right. be like no. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's plenty of people on Etsy that are, are okay with making whatever the fuck you send them as long as you pay them money. One hundred percent. Let them have it. Yes. So I, I kind of think the last question um that that we had you know, it's kind of how how you've seen your um, your art and freehand stitching as a broader medium, um, how it's fit or how it fits into the kind of like, you know, DIY art queer scene that you've been a part of and experience. I don't know. Honestly, um, when I think about it, I think about it on like split like on racial lines right um more so than i do about like the queer lines um i yeah i and i think about that because i think that i lean heaviest into my race right now as opposed to my queerdom because like i'm tired like i'm a tired queer so i'm just like i need you to sit down over there i'm fucking black and i gotta deal with that right now Um, I'm not very good at incorporating it all, right? Like, I just started recycling. It's a big deal because I was like, bitch, I'm black. I don't have time to recycle, too. So, like, I'm not very good at incorporating different pieces. Um, So I think about it on that level. Like, like, I... 
recently, one of the reasons that I stopped, that I decided that I was going to stop doing markets is because there are like bigger, bigger multimedia pieces that I want to make. And those bigger multimedia pieces are speaking to me and my blackness as opposed to blackness as consumption for white people. Right, right. Right. Like the stuff that a lot of the stuff that I put out, like my, the majority of my followers are women, like women from like 30 couple to 50 couple that are white. Okay. Right. And so they're fabulous. Great. Good job. Um, and when I say white, when I say that, I, when I say women specifically, it's people that have identified as women, like on the social media platforms. Yeah, um, of course, of course. And so, yeah, that's, you know, there was a period of time where I played to that, right? Because here's the deal. I am poor. And so Black History Month is when everybody decides to give everybody money. Right. Um, there are other times when people decide to give people Black people money, and it's usually when there has been some kind of murder of a human being, right? So when George Floyd died, every white person wanted to give me money. Um, and every person wanted to share my shit, and they wanted to buy my shit. Right. The anniversary it went down a little bit, but it's like that's just the reality of the situation, right? We live in a shitty white supremacist capitalistic situation currently, and so that's really what it is. And so I think it'll, a lot of it like that is that like I feel like I am I feel like I'm in a space that appeals to whiteness, specifically like white women because it comes out of this like soft tradition it's made by somebody that's black. You can be helpful because she's poor. And also like, if you're a virtue signaler, it's great to have that in your home. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. this virtue signaling, like, and you have something that says like, that calls other people out on their racism. It's great. And I'm not saying everybody that follows me is like that, but like, I have had conversations with people that have been in that realm, right? I've told people that they need to paint me if they're going to ask me that shit in DMs. Um, And so, and I, I like, I played into that for an extended period of time because I was just like, I, because I lost purpose and again, purpose has shifted, right? Like I don't, I'm tired of that. And it's easy for me to play to the white aesthetic because of my upbringing like, I have a fucking PhD, like, quad masters in whiteness because of my upbringing. Um, and so it's easy to play to that, and it's easy for me to fall into it. But I am trying to be more appealing to myself and to people that look like me and to people that have experiences similar to mine. And so I don't think I'm in that realm right now. And the realm of queerness, like, you know, I I made that one about the male gaze for a reason, right? Like, I just had a fucking three-year dick-sucking spree. And so, you know, I'm self-conscious about my level of queerness and where it fits in the world to begin with. And so I don't feel like I'm a part of that because of my own, like, insecurities and fear, which is like, you know, it's not real, but, you know. I haven't figured that out yet, so yeah. I hope it's, that it, answers the question. I just said a lot. Yeah, of that, words. that was awesome, man. Uh, you know, yeah. it, like you have you have such a like I don't know honed in vision of kind of what you're doing and how you want to do it um, across the board, not just your art, but it sounds like you know yourself too, and like really staying true to yourself rather than courting some bullshit that won't actually matter to me and 
Yeah. If I'm only Fuck here it. for a small amount of time and, like, I'm the only one that I'm supposed to, like, be counting on in the physical sense, then, like, fuck the rest of you. Like, like no shame, no shame. You know what I mean? Like, no shame, no shame. I, like, I am, I am incredibly into community, and I'm also into community with people who are like-minded. And so, you know, I... Liberals can buy my shit because they should spend money on black people to begin with. And simultaneously, right. like, you're not invited to the cookout, but you're also not invited to the commune. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's not. Oh, I think that's a that's a perfect cherry on top of, of, of talking to you, Sam. It's been awesome. The, you know, it's been a delay. I have a question for you. Uh, which, Shoot. Yeah. Both of you. Okay. Do you want to know why I dress the way that I dress? I do, actually. Um, this is this is just kind of you know uh, that I don't know. For us, this interview was going to be more just about you and what you do and your art because that that's the cool. You know, it it doesn't always have yeah, to be about cool. clothes, but I would I would love to hear why you dress the way you dress. Cool. Yeah, because we're happy I'm to do that. <laughs> Because I'm poor and I want statement pieces. That's why. That's yeah. why I dress the way I dress. And because I like to play dress up. Okay. And just because it's Tuesday doesn't mean that you can't do a full fucking makeup and full fucking ridiculous outfit. No, and you oh, do. Absolutely. And when I said to you, I want to do a show about fashion with you, you were like, well, I'm not fashionable. But the, it's so, you have so much. You have so many different ways of expressing yourself. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I like to play dress up. And yeah. because it turns out that, like, what other people think of you, like, doesn't particularly matter. <laughs> like, no. once I figured that out, I just shaved off my eyebrows and started doing gold eyebrows all the time. So, like, it's just kind of evolved from that. Hell yeah. And then I can do whatever I want. And so, like, yeah, I have a bunch of statement pieces. I just recently got, like, like regular t-shirts. Somebody gave me a bunch of t-shirts. So I'm like, okay, cool. I can wear these. I think I'm, I think you wear them around the house. Like, I think that's the point. Why not, dude? Um, so, yeah, what, because otherwise favorite? I'm wearing like fucking ridiculous dresses to take out my tiny dog um, <laughs> in the morning because they are they're laying like close to my fucking bed and like sim- like I just it's ridiculous. Dude, but it, it, yeah, it's I all like part of what it. I want, and I like to dress the way that I want, and I am much better about doing it at work than I used to be, but I still do my makeup the way that I want to. Yeah. All the time. Hell yeah. What's what is your favorite uh way of dressing up just out of curiosity? Uh that's or a really good question. A favorite, um you know. I damn, that's a really good question. I don't even know. Damn. So what I'm really thinking about right now is the fact that I really want to be a scene girl again for Halloween. So I'm thinking scene, but that's just because I'm thinking very short sighted. <laughs> Right, right. But I will say that when I was a teenager, it was really fun to dress up as a little scene girl. <laughs> nice. There were so many nice. ways. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Like now, it's. I used to dress up whenever I did uh, events. And like in the summer, like I don't wear clothes. Like it's not, and it's not like, ooh, I'm sexy. It's like, bitch, I'm fat and it's fucking 98 degrees. If you think I'm going to wear clothes out here, you're crazy town. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> and so there were a bunch of different outfits that I wore this summer 
Um, and that was fun. It was always fun to play in that kind of outfit. Um, because I forget that it's not like a thing that a lot of people think is normal, if that makes right. sense. Right. Like I'm not like, I'm not saying I'm a fucking special human being that dresses up, but like, I do encounter a lot of people that are like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I, again, it's like, I'm black. You know what I mean? It feels very much like that where I'm like, I don't know. I just woke up and decided that I was going to wear this fucking like wig that was pink, blue and white. And yeah. I'm going to behave like it's normal because it's normal for me. And if you like people get a little thrown off and then they realize that I'm just living my life. And so then they calm down and I'm like, oh. great, everybody's calm and I'm still wearing the wig. It's great. <laughs> Hell yes. Um, well, if you want, we can break for dinner. I think this has been like super engaging. I think all of the, um, all of your, because I have followed you for a long time and I have just really admired the, the work. So, um, you, both your professional work and your private work, however you want to talk about that. Um, so it was nice to like get inside your head for a little while. Yeah, I appreciate your appreciating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the chance to talk about it. And yeah. to meet Matt. What a delight. Yeah, yeah. It's been awesome, man. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's not every day you get to talk to two honkies like me and Connor. So. Uh. Actually, it is. <laughs> That's a bit oh. of the problem. But, you know, you win some, right, you lose right. some. Of course. Of course. But, yeah, Sam, thank you for coming on. Um, everybody, thanks for listening. We're uh, Apocalypse Duds at Apocalypse Duds on Instagram, Apocalypse Duds at gmail.com if you have any you know, questions or feedback. And Sam, do you want to shout out your, um, your account? Oh, man. Yeah, it's complicated. It's not. Um, it kind of is. So... Well, we're going to tag you anyway, but you know, just for... Oh, perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. So first of all, Everybody should follow um, Baltimore Harm Reduction Coalition and the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for that is Be More HRC. And then my personal, um, my personal like stitching account is Communication Breakdown, and it doesn't have any vowels in it. So it's C M M N C T N period B R K D W N. Hell yeah! Obviously, and after the Led Zeppelin song "Communication Breakdown." Not, I mean, uh, yeah, we we love musical references around here. So, but yeah, I'm uh, Matt Smith at Rebels Rogues, and I'm Connor Fowler at Connor Fowler. Yeah, thanks for listening. And Sam, thank you again. Uh, it's been a been a real pleasure. Thanks for having thanks me. <laughs>